what I think is a very special series of messages on the theme of one another. And um, in our one another series, we started off and we looked at loving one another. And then the week after that, we looked at spurring one another on. And last week, we talked about don't speak against one another. And so the theme today for our message and my text is encourage one another. And that text is found in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13. You know, encouragement is a very powerful thing in our lives. And I guess we know that, but I learned that a long time ago, many, many, many years ago. I had a job in the education department meeting with parents and their teenagers called the Human Relationships Education Program. And one of the things that we used to do, I used to love to do, was to sit parents with their teenagers. In fact, we had a special position. You sat with your knees touching. And one of the tasks I gave them was to tell each other one thing that they really appreciated or that they thought that their child or their parent did really well. And um, that could be a very moving experience I used to have a cartoon, though, that used to um, tell what not to do. And you can imagine there's a husband and a wife there, and the wife has been asked to tell the husband one thing that he's really good at, and you can see that the wife is struggling to come up with something. And in the end, she said, Cedric, you you are very boring, but you're extremely good at it. Now, that's not the sort of encouragement that we want to talk about today. Um, I'm talking about positive, heartfelt encouragement. Um, And um, we can, all of us, testify perhaps to times in our life where the encouragement of somebody else has helped us along the way, has in fact changed the direction that we've been in. And unfortunately, most of us can also reflect back of times when we've been discouraged, where people have said things into our life which have deeply hurt us and sent us along the way. One other thing before we sort of move on our message is that encouragement is not something that you can extract from somebody. Encouragement is a gift that somebody gives you. And so today when we're talking about encouraging or being, uh, of encouraging one another, I want us to think that each of us has a gift that we can give to other people in our lives and in our church family, and that is the gift of encouragement. Because I've got lots of grey hair, um, some of the stories which have been impactful for me I heard 30 or 40 years ago, and the chances are that many of you weren't born when these stories were told. And those who've heard it, it won't hurt to, for you to hear it again. But one of the stories that impacted me about the power of encouragement was a story that I heard a fellow called Tony Campolo tell. It wasn't his story, he told the story, and I want to tell it to you today. It's a story about a child called Teddy Stellard. And um, it was written by a lady called Elizabeth Ballard, and it was a story about a school teacher whose name was Miss Jean Thompson. And um, in American setting, so each September, Miss Thompson greeted her new students to her class in the fifth grade, and um, she had a little talk. Um, I'm an old school teacher, I know how it goes. She used to tell the students that she loved them all equally, and that um, she had no favourites, and um, truly 
she probably wasn't quite telling the truth because when you're a teacher, there are some kids who you warm to very much and there are others which are really hard to love and because of the way they are. And um, in this particular class, um, there was a boy called Teddy Stallard um, who for um, Miss Thompson just found it really hard to like. He was a sullen boy um, who, sat, who sat slouched in his seat with his head down. When she spoke to him, he would only say yes or no. His clothes were musty, his hair was unkempt. He was an unattractive boy in almost every way. Whenever she marked Teddy's paper, she would put crosses where he was wrong, which was often, and in some ways in her own mind she thought the F for failure was just what he deserved. Miss Thompson should have known better because, you know, there are school records that tell you about the journey that people are on. And certainly Teddy had school records. It went something like this. In the first grade, Teddy shows promise with his work and attitude, but comes from a poor home situation. In the second grade, it said, Teddy is a good boy, but he's too serious for a second grader. His mother is terminally ill. In the third grade, it says, Teddy is becoming withdrawn and detached. His mother died this year. His father shows no interest. And by the fourth grade, the report said, Teddy is a troubled child. He needs help. Christmas came in the classroom of Miss Thompson. And the children bought presents wrapped up in bright and shiny paper. And so as she sat down, she noticed that there was one present that wasn't wrapped in bright and shiny paper. It was wrapped in brown paper with scotch tape to it. And it came from Teddy Stellard. To tell you the truth, she was surprised that Teddy even bought her a present. And so as she opened the present, out of it fell a, a, a rhinestone um, bracelet with some of the stones missing and a nearly empty bottle of cheap perfume. And the rest of the kids, they started to snigger and think what a terrible gift to give to the teacher. But something in Miss Thompson knew that this was an important moment. And so she very quickly put the bracelet on her wrist. She put a bit of the perfume on her and she said to the rest of the class, look at this lovely present that Teddy's brought. And the kids taking her, her cue quickly agreed with her. At the end of that day, as the kids left for school, young Teddy came and spoke to Miss Thompson. He came up in a very quiet voice. He said to her, Miss Thompson, all day today, you smelled like my mother used to smell. And when you wore her bracelet, it looked really nice on you. Thank you. And he left. And Miss Thompson put her hands up and put her head in her hands and she wept and wept and wept because she had treated Teddy in a certain way and now she felt that she had been doing the wrong thing. The next day when the children came to class, they had a new teacher. Now, it was still Miss Thompson, 
but something had changed in Miss Thompson's life. Um, she cared in ways that the old Miss Thompson didn't care for. She reached out in ways to help the kids when they were struggling. And in particular, she reached out to help Teddy in his studies and nurtured him and encouraged him and tutored him with extra help where needed. And by the time the end of that school year came, Teddy had caught up on his studies and, in fact, he was ahead of some of the kids in the class. And then Teddy moved on. In fact, his family moved away and Miss Thompson didn't hear from him for a long time. And then one day, seemingly out of the blue, came this note. Dear Miss Thompson, I'm graduating from high school. I wanted you to be the first to know. Love, Teddy Stellard. There was no address on the note. But four years later, there was another note and it read, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I'm second in my class. The university has not been easy, but I really liked it. Love, Teddy. And then four years later, there was still another note. Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore J. Stallard, MD. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm going to be married on the 27th of July, to be exact, and I want you to come and I want you to sit where my mother would have sat. You're the only family I have now. Dad died last year. Love, Teddy Stellard. And the story says that she went and she sat where Teddy's mother would have sat because she deserved to be there. She was a teacher who had done something for the, great for the kingdom of God when she encouraged that little boy in the situation he was in. I don't know about you, but after all these years, I still get a bit touched by a story like that about the power of encouraging other people. And so today we're going to open God's word and, and look at that. And our text was Hebrews 3.13. It said, But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, the book of Hebrews was written. We don't know who the actual people it was written to is. We don't know who wrote it. But we do know that it was written to people who had a Jewish background, who had become followers of Jesus. And then over a period of time, it was a danger that they were going to fall back to their old ways. They were going to lose that dynamic joy of having a relationship with God. And they were going to turn their Christianity into a religion. And so um, the writer says it's really important that the way that we treat um, that in the church is that we have to be encouraging one another so that we will not um, be, um, none of us may be hardened by sinful deceitfulness. Um, Pastor Dave Luthy last um, two weeks ago took us to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, a similar sort of theme. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some has the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Did you know that? That God says to us, his people, um, not if it's convenient or occasionally, but we are to be encouraging of one another. Let's unpack that Hebrews 3 verse a little bit more. So if we look in Hebrews chapter 3 and um, verse 12, 
we see here that Paul actually um, is saying this is a very important thing for the church to get. It says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. You see, it's in our time and age, we, we know if we're honest that there are people who have been part of God's church who aren't here anymore, who fall away, who, who, who um, don't become part of that, who don't continue on. And Paul's saying this, he's saying it's really important that you don't allow your brothers and sisters to fall away, but encourage one another daily. Um, encouragement should be the language that we speak as long as it's called today and every day we wake up is today isn't it so this is something that we should be doing all the time so that we will not be hardened by the the, the trials around us and sinful sins deceitfulness um, it's not a call to um, just encourage people to become Christians, but it's a call to encourage people in their Christian walk and their Christian life day by day and year by year. Um, and it says in verse 14, if we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. This call for encouragement is something that every one of us in this place needs to take up. Um, Thomas Hewitt, um, who wrote a Bible commentary for the Tyndale Publishing House on Hebrews, said that this, that these verses are an encouragement um, for us, not just in terms of beginning the Christian life. It's not sufficient just to encourage people to commence the Christian life, but we need to encourage one another to continue and to complete our journey with Christ. And then he said this, and I thought it was really interesting. Unless our faith is continually warmed, it can become frozen and ineffective. As we encourage one another, what we're actually doing is warming each other's faith. And encouragement isn't only helping us today, but it's preparing us to face the challenges that will come again in the future. And so the message today for us as a church is that we are called to encourage one another. What does it look like to be an encourager? What does it look like? What are the qualities of those in, of us who are called to be encouragers? Well, I had a look through the scripture and I found somebody in the Bible who is a wonderful picture of what it is to be an encourager. Now, his name was Joseph, but you probably know him better by his nickname, Barnabas. And Barnabas, interestingly, is mentioned so many times in the New Testament. In fact, Barnabas is mentioned 23 times in the book of Acts and five times in the letter of Paul. Now, my idea in the scripture is that if it's important, God won't just mention it once, he'll mention it many times. And so Barnabas, whose name was Joseph, got nicknamed Barnabas and that meant son of encouragement. He personified what God was calling his followers to be in terms of encouragement. And so I just want to talk about four qualities of Barnabas that God also wants us to show. The first thing I want to notice about Barnabas is that he had a spirit of generosity and if you're going to encourage, you have to be a giver. 
Um, our, one of our first mentions of Barnabas in the New Testament in Acts, we actually see him taking a block of land and selling it and giving it to the church for the benefit of the wider church body. And we see that in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. Um, and we know that it was a generous, heartfelt gift because if you know your book of Acts, you know that in Acts chapter 5, there was somebody else who gave a block of land, Ananias and Sapphira, not out of a genuine heart of generosity, but because they thought that it would gain them esteem and recognition. And their end was that um, the Lord punished them on the spot. But Barnabas is not mentioned like that. Barnabas is seen as somebody who is willing to give of his treasures, of his finances. Um, and as we read through the book of Acts, we see it's not just things, but his time and his talents. So it shouldn't surprise us that we get to Acts chapter 11, and what happens is the church in Jerusalem, where, where Barnabas is part of, gets news of a wonderful outpouring of the Spirit in a place called Antioch. Many people up there had decided to become followers of Jesus and they needed to encourage this new family of God. So who would they send? Well, they would need to send somebody who was an encourager and it shouldn't surprise us that they decided that they would send Barnabas to go to Antioch to encourage the church there. Now, again, this is giving. I mean, I've already said that Barnabas was a landholder in Jerusalem. He probably had his life in Jerusalem, but he was willing to go to encourage the new church. And when he arrived in Acts 11.23, he saw the evidence of God's grace there. Um, and so he saw how God was there, and so he encouraged them all to remain true in the Lord with all their hearts exactly what Hebrews 3 was encouraging all of us to do as well. And um, when he saw them, he encouraged them, and as a result of his encouragement, his encouragement was an overflow of his relationship with God, for he was a man, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. You know, if we're going to be encouragers, then we have to also have a spirit of generosity. Um, we don't encourage others because of what we get out of it. We do it because we love them and we want to pass that on. Um, God calls us to be prepared to put our own selves aside so that we can benefit others. And I thought, just as Alex was talking about the, um, the offering there, we often use this verse as an offering verse, but it also applies to an encouragement in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, where each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so to be an encourager, then we need to be generous with our times, our talents, our treasures. But Barnabas also gives us another particular picture about what it means to be an encourager. You see, some of us, we encourage when it's convenient or when it seems suitable. But for Barnabas, he was extremely intentional about identifying people and going and encouraging people, and often to a very great extent in his own journey. 
I find it very interesting in Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, um, after the Apostle Paul became a convert, before he was converted, he was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was going to wipe out the Christian religion. He went to um, Damascus on a, a mission to imprison and to capture people. And all of a sudden, after that, he meets God. He comes back to Jerusalem and he wants to meet the leaders of the church because he's had a, a, an experience of meeting Jesus himself. But you know what? The leaders of the church were pretty scared of the Apostle Paul. How do we know it's not a trick? How do we know that he's not going to um, get into our circles and then um, turn on us? And so in Acts chapter 9, verses 26, we read, When he came to Jerusalem, that's Paul, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple, except son of encouragement, Barnabas. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He had this willingness to encourage, and he was looking for people where he could encourage for the kingdom's sake. He was clearly a gifted leader himself. Um, he was recognised and honoured as part of the leadership. And yet here is a man who wanted to encourage others to be servants of Christ. Um, it's easy for some of us to be so busy trying to serve God in our own strength, in our own ministry areas, that sometimes we forget that God calls us to look for others to encourage, to, to raise up others to be there. And um, Barnabas does this throughout his life. So many years later, um, when he is sent to Antioch, um, he goes to the church there and instead of thinking, well, now what am I going to do to encourage this church? He is thinking about who are the people I can encourage to raise up and to come and help the church in Antioch. And we read um, in Acts chapter 11, 25 and 26, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. We're talking about years after what we talked about in Jerusalem. Paul, in some ways, in the church history, has gone off the map. But Barnabas didn't forget. He had encouraged him then. He wants to encourage him now to come with him and to come back to Antioch and to serve with him and to help the church to grow in that place. Now, going to Tarsus from Antioch wasn't like, oh, I know this guy who lives in the next suburb in the then Roman world. This is like hundreds of kilometres away that he would have to travel by boat. But Barnabas had in his heart to look and when he was with groups of people to encourage people to be all that they could be. And so he had a special place to encourage Paul in that regard as well. The third characteristic of Barnabas um, is an interesting one and you need to think carefully about how this works because um, it's a bit of a, um, a challenging passage in some ways. I've called it perseverance. When we encourage others, sometimes it's, encourage, it's easy to encourage people who respond positively or take it well. But if you're really going to encourage people, you're not only going to encourage them in the times when things are going well, you're going to persevere in encouraging them when things don't go well. And how often is it that people will say nice things to us when everything's going well, but when we are going through a hard time, that's often where the criticism comes out. And listen to this passage. Um, so this is in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 40. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, 
Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. And then verse 39 says, They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Uh-oh, you know, nice church, strong disagreement, two key figures in the leadership of the church. But I don't know that this is as terrible as what it sounds. I don't think there's a right and a wrong person here. You've got two people who've got two different calls and need to do two different things. I've got some sympathy for Paul and his missionary journey, um, thinking that it has to be very discerning about the people who go and do that task. So I don't think he was just being mean and nasty. Dear Mark had really blown it. Um, He didn't only leave the missionary endeavour, but he left it badly. He fled, and yet here is Barnabas, who is actually saying, I still want to encourage Mark to be all that he can be. Warts and all, disappointments as well as triumphs. And so Barnabas felt so strongly that both Paul and Barnabas went in different ways to do what God had laid on their heart. And do you know why that was really important? Mark wasn't just another person who had got excited about the gospel and then faded away. But because of Barnabas's encouraging him, we read about Mark later on in the story of the church. So in 2 Timothy 4 verse 11, we find here, this is Paul speaking, he found Mark of great value to him in his later ministry. And he says, get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Here is somebody who has fallen, gone astray, come back up. But what is the key there? It wasn't just that Mark had pulled himself up by his um, shoelaces. It was that he had somebody encouraging him to go on. Peter, the Apostle Peter, um, was so close to Mark, it says in 1 Peter 5 verse 13, greetings from my son Mark. And the gospel of Mark is actually this Mark who had fallen and then God used and because of his relationship with Peter that he had then written the Gospel of Mark and with Peter as one of the main sources. So when we talk about encouraging people, it's not just when it's easy and it's encouraging people through the tough times of life, not just when they respond well. And, you know, that's a challenge for us as we um, want to encourage others because sometimes um, we actually um, think, well, you know, I want to encourage where it's going to do some good. We don't know what good it's going to do. We need to pray and ask God to help us to hang in there. And the fourth quality um, that Barnabas um, shows us is that of humility. We don't encourage others to big note ourselves. We don't encourage others so that people will think how good we are. In the gospel, we encourage others so that they might grow, that they might do even better than what we do. And with Barnabas and and Saul, who became Paul, um, it's very interesting. When you read the book of Acts, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it always started off with Barnabas and Saul. 
and Barnabas was named first because he was the main person. And then when you start to get through to about Acts chapter 13, it always talks about Paul and Barnabas. So here is the encourager whose protege has now become the key leader. And you know what? I reckon Barnabas is just rejoicing because it wasn't about everybody noticing him. It was about how he could serve in the kingdom. And that's, that's a call for us too as we go through. So today, in, in very simple terms, we've looked at a verse in Hebrews chapter 3 where it calls us as the church to encourage one another. I just want us to take a little bit of time and think not just about the theoretical side of that, but the practical implication of that. Why is it that it's so important to encourage one another? Because we live in a time where there are lots of forces trying to pull the church down. You don't have to read the papers very hard. You don't have to um, think about the society we live in. And the thing that it tells us in Hebrews is that the way that we're going to overcome that is obviously through the grace of God, but by each of us encouraging one another. And so we need to take this very seriously. Um, we also need to realise that we live in a culture where encouragement is not always taken very well. Have you ever had the situation where somebody's nice to somebody and they say, I wonder what they're after? Why is that person saying nice things to me? Um, we, we have this cynical culture where encouragement is, is not so well um, thought of and we're always thinking of the worst. The church doesn't have to be like the culture. We should actually persevere and be generous and be intentional and be humble, encouraging one another to be all that God wants us to be. I had a senior pastor once who I would think was be one of the most encouraging people I met. And people who met him for the first time would just shake their head and go, oh, this guy, he just says nice things to people all the time. You know, he can't be real. He can't be tr true. But you know what? In that church, he loved the people and the people loved him because the way he was, he was all the time. He didn't just encourage people because then I'd get things done. He was like that all the time. And so what we need to do is that we need to be that sort of encouraging people. Here's, here's the application, if you like, of our message today. Today I want us to stop and just think for a minute. How can I encourage others? Sure, we want to keep on loving one another, spurring one another on, not talking badly about others. But today, just for a minute... Have a think about real people who I could bring a word of encouragement, an act of encouragement that I could encourage on their journey. And let's pray that this week, that not only will we have the idea which we're asking God to give us, but we'll actually do it in practice. Do it many times. Um, make it an action that even if you find you have to make yourself do it, it becomes a habit of who we are in our Christian life. Um, be generous as you encourage others. Be intentional. Don't just say, oh, if something comes up, I might throw in a word of encouragement, but, but seek out those who you would encourage. Persevere. 
Don't just think about who would be easy to encourage, but things people who would really um, struggling encourage them. And do it humbly. Don't do it so that you get a reputation for being a good encourager, but you want to see God's kingdom go ahead. Maybe have lots of Barnabases in our church. Maybe after church, as we share coffee together, um, we can be thinking about words of encouragement that we can share. Maybe as we go home in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighbourhoods. Um, people who we know, maybe like Barnabas, there's somebody who we knew and we haven't seen for a long time. Maybe God is saying to us, maybe there's a word of encouragement, maybe a phone call, maybe something we can do. Maybe for those who are really old like me, a letter um, or emails, I think works too, doesn't it? Um, what, what, whatever it might be, um, that but we might be encouragers. And the Bible tells us that when we are a family of encouragers, then the church will grow and be strong. Um, that we won't become frozen and inactive in our faith. And that's what the church God wants here at Brackenridge Baptist to be, a church where we encourage one another. I'm going to pray and invite the band to come up and, um, and then we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, sometimes we are so focused on our relationship with you that even though we know in your word there's lots about our relationships with one another, we, we can easily gloss over them. But Father, as we've been studying this series together, Father, you're calling us to relate to each other as an overflow of the relationship that we have with you. And so, Father, for this week, now even as we're quiet and still, place in our hearts, Lord, those people that we can encourage this week. Father, help us not to be content to do it just for one week, but to, to do it regularly. Father, guide us and direct us. Help us to be genuine and generous. Father, we just commit this to you and that each of us would be encouraged. Not that we can extract encouragement from others, but we can give it personally as a free gift to those around us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.